It is a, it's a great thing that we can worship God, isn't it? It's like never take it for granted, enter into God's presence. We can actually feel His presence. That the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us, to your heart, through words. It's, it's humbling, isn't it? I, those words that we were singing as enthroned upon the praises of my heart. And uh, <laughs> I was wondering, like, is that a great throne that I'm building? Is this enough sacrifice to be a throne for Jesus? My, my praises, is that even worthy of a throne? I, I mean, really, God, Jesus should be on an incredible throne. And I was just myself thinking, what... What in my praise, almost like David was saying, you know, who am I? Who am I that my praises can build your throne? It's, it staggers my mind. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we are called to build God's house also. It's like God's house. Who am I that I can build God's house? God said to David, you can't build my house. Your hands have seen too much violence. Actually, something in, in, in his life. Although God says, a man after my own heart, he actually said to David, you can't. David prepared the house that Solomon built. So everything was there. He, he collected everything. He bought land. He sacrificed so that Solomon could build the house. And that's what he, he actually starts with when he, when he hands over the, the crown of the, the, of, the, of the kingdom, the rule over God's people to his son. He says, we are called to build God's house. It's not a small thing. And God's given a plan for his house. So, you know, little story. Years ago, uh, Liesl and myself had no kids. And we were building our house. So we found a piece of, of, of property in Parklands, drew up a plan. And then we found a builder. And we appointed the builder. And the builder started building our house. And it was amazing. We have photographs of this. There was nothing. There was just sand <laughs> in, in Parklands just sand everywhere and then we started digging foundations and they laid the foundations they started building and they were about windowsill height and the builder said to us listen it's time for you to choose fittings and and we had never built before so what did we know and uh, we went to a house that he was busy building and he was building a big multi-million rand house somewhere in Bloberg. I walked in Liesl was still at work I was there a bit earlier I walked to the house and then I saw her car pull up and I walked out to her and I said to her, listen, honey, man, whatever you see, don't say a word. Just keep, don't, don't say a thing. So she walked in and she listened, didn't say a word. But this house was, you know, the story of faulty towers, you know, all these different angles. Uh, so the kitchen cupboards were skew in the kitchen. I was supposed to look at fittings. So I did look at the cupboards. They were skew. And uh, I had a pen with me, and I put the pen, I opened the cupboard, and I put the pen on the shelf of the cupboard to see would it roll. And it didn't. It stayed, stayed there. But it should roll, because the cupboard is visibly skewed. And it was weird, like anti-gravity, you know. It's like not only is the house built skew, um, gravity doesn't work in that house. So I walked, and then the fireplace was skew as well. And, and I, I put a pen in the fireplace, because whoever's doing the fittings in this house is not coming close to my house. So I put the pen in the fireplace, and again, it didn't roll. It stayed in the skew fireplace. And then on a whim, I took the pen out and put it on the floor, on the tiles, and it started rolling. And what, what I found out was that the whole house was skewed. The fireplace was straight. The cupboard was straight. But the whole kitchen was skewed, so the cupboard looks skewed. Because the guy that fitted the cupboard 
used a spirit level and did not his eye. And I, we walked out and I said to Liesl, Honeyman, we need to fire the builder now. Now. And we did. It was a tough conversation. Um, I didn't want to give him a reason. Um, so I didn't have it in my heart. And we just said, let's part ways. Actually, I think our plans are not going to work out like we thought. And we, we actually can't continue building with you. So thank you so much for what you've done. You've done the foundations. We would never have known how to do it. Um, but at this stage, we're pausing. And I remember clearly the next day, I went to the building site. So now we don't have builders anymore. So I stood around there, and I literally said, God, help. That's all I could get out. It was like, God, help. Liesl was back at work. I had taken a day's leave to contemplate my position. <laughs> and ugh, long story, but God sent us incredible. There's a guy that walked down the road in the middle of nowhere and said, listen, do you need something to build for you? And him and a team actually finished the house for us. Fast forward to the end, the house got finished, and the last things that had to go in were covered. And then when I started measuring out that room, I realized that we'd made a mistake in our plan. Because if you fit a double bed into this room, there would be no space for the cupboard on the wall. Then I started checking our plan, and I went, no, but the plan says that this room should have enough space. It had extra space. And now there's not even enough space. And what had happened was the builder didn't follow the plan. The builder laid the foundation incorrectly. He measured it incorrectly. So when the guy started building, the builders followed, tried to follow the plan. And the garage was the right length. The study was the right length. The bathroom was the right length. And then our master bedroom followed and just ran out of space. And there was a wall. And we had to be very inventive with the cupboard that we did fit into one little corner of the room. And it did work out. But they didn't follow the plan. God has a plan for the church. And we are called to be builders of his church. But it's not our plan. It's his plan. And the builder can't come and say, you know what? Here's the plan. Let's put the plan away. I'm going to build my house like I want to build it. The builder actually has to follow the plan. Otherwise, it doesn't work out. And the same way we, when we build God's house, his church, we should build on his plan, not our plan. Moses had a plan from God, right? So we see in Exodus 25, verse 40, it says, See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mount. So God gave Moses a pattern. He said, See that you build it according to my pattern. God says that a couple of times to Moses. The incredible thing that you see about Moses is the whole of Exodus 39 and 40 says this. It says, Moses did exactly what God had commanded him to do. Over and over. Everything that he does, it says again, and Moses did exactly what God had commanded him to do. Would that be said about us? And David did exactly what God had commanded him to do. And Josh Jen did exactly what God had commanded us to do. And Andrew Selly did exactly what God had commanded him to do. And 412, all the way into the nations in Europe, did exactly what God had commanded them. I really hope so. Because God gave us a plan. What does that plan look like? Well, we're not called to build a tabernacle like Moses was. So we can't follow his plan. God gave a plan to a guy called Paul. So Paul has the plan. How do I know that? Well, he wrote it to us. 
<laughs> and we should build according to that plan. Paul in Ephesians 3 verse 8 wrote this. He said, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Sounds like David, doesn't it? The grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. It goes on to say that it's through the church that God wants to reveal his wisdom to the world, to rulers and principalities. But you see that there. I have never seen that. It says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this, of this mystery. Meaning there's a certain way that God gave us to administer this. It's not just the gospel that he gave us. It's apart from the gospel. There's an administration. There's a way of building church. In Corinthians 3 verse 10, he says, Paul says, I'm a master builder. You can, you can hire him to build your house. You'll follow the plan. That's what a master builder does. A master builder is somebody that doesn't invent his own plan. He's able to interpret those little lines on a piece of paper and make it happen so that what you had in your mind is what you get in the end. You don't come into my house and then go, oh, this couch is maybe in the wrong place, and then it will work better there. That would be awkward if I walk into your house and I go, no, this painting would actually look better in in this room and swap the paintings around. The funny thing is we do that in God's house. In God's house, we think we've got liberty to shift around the furniture and build an extra room. Why not? Jana was talking about the churches that she went to uh, in the Netherlands, and she didn't experience God's spirit there. Not, not Odevaart, the church, the other churches they sent her to. Why not? Why not? Well, it's not God's house anymore. He looks at it, and it's not his building. So he doesn't inhabit it. In Ephesians 2 verse 22, it says, we are being built together as a dwelling place for God. It means that he lives among us. If we built correctly, then Jesus would be here. The Holy Spirit would be present. If we don't, well, then he won't dwell among us. If we're being built together in some other thing. If we're a sport club, like a Formula One watching club, you know, this afternoon, Belgium. <laughs> but if that's what it's about. Watching Formula One together of the Sundays of the year. If that's what binds us together, if it's the rugby, the cricket, sport, whatever, then we're not being built together as a dwelling place of God. Our focus is somewhere else. And then we won't have the Holy Spirit dwelling among us. That would be really sad. So what are these plans? Because last week we said that we want to be committed to the church. We all stood. We said we want to be in this thing. What is this thing? What does church look like? Luckily, Paul did expand on it a bit. In Philippians 1 verse 1, he writes a letter, and he says this. He writes to the Philippians, and he says, Paul and Timothy, so Timothy's with him, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. There you go. Overseers, deacons. Overseers could also be translated as elders. Paul the apostles writing to the church. So you can see the saints, the deacons, and the elders. And that's how simple it is. There you get the pattern. Is this important? 2 Timothy 1 verse 13. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. So he's commanding the church now. He's saying, keep this pattern. Don't go off it. In Romans, he goes further, 6 verse 17. It says, but thanks be to God that through, though you used to be slaves to sin, 
you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. There's another translation that says, have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Allegiance to the pattern of church. That's quite something. Allegiance is something that, allegiance is normally, I'd fight for this. I'm aligning myself with this. Paul said that he's got two things. He's preaching the gospel and he's setting a pattern into place. And both of those things are very important. Why? Why would the pattern be that important? Because it's God's pattern. God gave us a pattern. And we're not free to just build the church we want. And we see this all around us. We see this in half the world. We were talking about that today. Half Half the Christian world is caught up in home churches, right? And as church, it's very easy to point our finger to the home church movement and say that they are wrong. Here's a scary thought for me. What if there's more life today in the home church movement than there is in the church? What if the Holy Spirit is more evident in the home church movement than in the church? Can the church still point a finger at the home church movement and say that you're wrong? Or is the church so sick, so empty, so incorrectly built that the Holy Spirit's no longer welcome in the church? And part of it is because the church today is not built according to this pattern. When I got saved, I didn't get saved into into this um, church movement. I, I got saved into a different flavor of church as well. And it didn't have this pattern. There was Holy Spirit. People spoke in tongues. We prayed for people and they got healed. I'm not going to go down that line. But there's some powerful stories from that time in my life in a different church where people got radically healed from sickness. The Holy Spirit was there. But in the church, there were a little group of us that would dreaming about a New Testament church that could be more like the church we read about in Acts. And we even tried. We tried to have a little home group, and we're going to do this. And But it was difficult because we were inside a movement that wasn't built correctly. So although we were looking for the Holy Spirit, we were looking for the church of Acts, we couldn't make it happen because they were confined. There were different foundations in that movement, and we couldn't build differently to what they had put down as one day. And then years later, after I got married, Liesl and I, we were building that house, and we walked into Monet van der Walt uh, on the beach. Uh, and uh, I'd known Monet for years, and he was also in the other church with me previously, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he said, listen, we've, what church do you guys go to? And we said, no, 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 Liesl's looking for a church. I am looking for the perfect church. I'm not joining any church again until I find the right church. Those were my words. But I'm looking for a church that's like this and like this and like this. And I had my whole little list there. And Monet kept on smiling and said, just come. Just come. We meet in a little hall down the road. We rent it on Sundays. Just come. That was two Sundays later. And we went to the church. And it was absolutely incredible. About 40 people and Josh Jen and... uh, Andrew was away in Brazil on a, on a NCMI mission trip thing to the nations. And, uh, but there was worship, and people loved us. We felt loved and welcome. And we just, I don't think we've missed more than 10 services in Justin since then. <laughs> Those were holiday times. But what was it that gripped us? The people, the love, the fellowship. And I'll tell you what, that every single person in that church was absolutely sold out. They had laid down their lives for this thing called church. 
And what happened with us is we came out of a group of friends where our group of friends said, you guys are the best. You guys are the best. Your marriage is the best. The way you love one another is the best. You're going to be the best parents. Your house that you're building. It's like our friends loved us. <laughs> but you guys are doing so well. And we're gonna, we want to be like you. Our friends said that. And we joined this church. And we looked at each other. And we went, we suck. <laughs> our marriage is in a mess. We're putting on a show for our friends. But our marriage is in a mess. We've made mistakes in, our, in building our marriage. Even before we started, before we got married. We made mistakes. And now we have a problem. But we can't tell anybody. We have to keep this a secret until we get it right. Because our friends think we're doing so well. We have to keep up this picture of a good marriage while we are unhappy when we close the front door. And we tried. It's not that we didn't try. We both tried, but we just couldn't get it. So what we did was about four Sundays in, God just spoke to our hearts. And we went to Monain Irina, who now leads this whole region. But back then, they were just married. No, they were married for about two months. We were married for two years by then. <laughs> we should know. I mean, we should help them. I mean, our friends think we're doing great. We went to them and we went, Monet, Irina, we need to talk to you. And they went, yeah, huh? I remember it clearly. It was just outside the Labrand for Nico call. And, and they said, about what? About our marriage. Yeah. Well, we slept together before we got married. Yeah. You don't look shocked. We all know. How do you all know? We haven't told a soul. Our parents don't know. <laughs> Our friends don't know. We can see it. Everybody can see it. I'm like, all 40 of them. Oh my head, I'm never coming back. <laughs> it was evident when we walked into that crowd of people built on the right foundation. Why? Because it was safe. A house built on the right foundation is a safe house. When you build off the foundation, it becomes unstable and unsafe. We could bring our faults into the light, our sin into the light in that environment because it was safe, because there was love, because people laid down their lives for the kingdom. They were not building their own house. Whatever they're going to say next was not for their own. It was intended for me. The Bible says we should prefer one another. I should care more for you than I care for me. What would I sound like when you come to me with something in your life if you are more important to me than I am. How carefully would I consider what I say next? What is it that God wants to do? How does he want us to build? Like this. So it's not just the administration of the church that is at stake here. It's the very expression of Christianity and church among ourselves that's at stake. And that is why Paul makes a big thing out of it. That is why Paul goes, you have to keep building like this. And it's not complicated. If we go back to, to the pattern that he gave us, it's this. There are apostles, elders, and deacons. That's it. That's the pattern. The administration pattern. What do apostles do? They're translocal master builders. They've shown us that they can do it. And what do they do? Well, in basic terms, the apostolic brings back the church to the foundations of the gospel. Simple. You'll hear it at 4.12. You'll be amazed to see how they just keep on bringing everything. It's simple. They say stuff and you go, yes, that's true. And then you go, why didn't I ever think of that? That's what they do. They, the apost apostolic voice is just so clear and sees straight through all of the rubble and stuff. And they go, no, 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 no. This is the direction. 
Here is where we go. This is where we built. See, wait, wait, wait. We're off the foundation. Change this. They constantly check, are we still building according to the foundation and the plan that God gave us? Bring us back. Bring us back. Bring us back. In Timothy, we, we see that uh, Paul wrote to Timothy about elders and deacons. What did he do? He gave characters, references. He said, what does an elder and a deacon look like? Appoint elders and deacons in the church is what he told Tim- Timothy. What are the deacons? Well, let's go to deacons first. Okay, elders. Um, bad night. <laughs> so here's, I'm an elder in the life of the church. Bad night is the other elder in the life of this local church. And yesterday we prayed for some awesome guys in Cape Town. Couldn't be there. I still have FOMO, fear of missing out there, FOMO, because we couldn't be there to see the laying on of hands on some new elders that have been placed into the life of the church. That's it. What do elders do? Well, we set doctrine into place. Not new doctrine, this doctrine. The doctrine that Paul wrote. The doctrine that Jesus gave. We set that doctrine into place. We can't make up our own doctrine. It's, it's fixed. It's not, we can't have a, a meeting and then decide we, between Bernard and myself, we are the elders, we set doctrine into place, we're going to make up some new doctrine to put into place. That's not what elders do. We don't consider the world around us and the way that the world wants us to be human rights, and I don't know what else, and, and go, okay, you know what? The church needs to change our doctrine a little bit to be a little bit more conform, conforming to the world and be a little bit more applicable to today's world. Today's world needs to conform to the pattern of God. Not the unsaved, just the saved. The unsaved just needs to hear, God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you. That's all the unsaved world needs. Us, though, in the church, need to build according to God's pattern. Uncompromising. That's what we do. Elders set doctrine into place. Pray and spend time in the Word so that we can make sure that whatever we say and do and is founded on that Word. We've got to be immersed into God's Word. Deacons. Deacons. Can a deacon stand for me? John is busy teaching the kids. And Shanae is busy teaching your kids. So these guys, they're important. Stephen, will you stand with them? <laughs> you as well. Two of us. Henry, stand with them. They're, they're community leaders. Deacons and community leaders. Why do I make the community leaders stand? Well, because community leaders are that important. They're either, so deacons need to have certain characteristics that set out in the Bible, right? They, they're there. They're the same ones that elders have to have. Deacons are pillars in the church. Deacons build God's church with the, church, with the elders. So in a sense, Badat and I work into the deacons' lives, and in a sense, they work into your lives. Now, deacons, ready for that. You can sit. Community leaders, I'm saying, you know what? There's no community leader in the, in the Bible. So that's our position that we created. It's not in the Bible. So it's not in God's plan. So I'm going to say, for me, a community leader is like a deacon brick that's about to be built. It's like this brick still in the hand of the elder. It's going to be put down there. It's almost like a community leader that's not a deacon almost could be a deacon. Because <laughs> their character needs to be in place. Because they're leading a little group in our church. I will say stuff like communities, which we don't find in the Bible. Because community groups, they're not in the Bible. We don't need to have them. But can we live without them? Can we practically live today's church without a community group? 
I think we'll battle. Because in this context, people will go missing. Why do we have communities? To have smaller groups so that each person can be cared for. A smaller bite-side group so that the community leader can take responsibility of each person in that group. So they can go, who's not here on Sunday? Why? Well, if you're not here on Sunday, what's wrong? Are you sick? Are you, is it work? Is it, are you out of town? Because surely we want to build according to the pattern. And we want to live according to the church, the, the word. And the word says we should lay down everything for God's kingdom. So Sunday morning isn't actually everything. So if you're missing a Sunday morning, why? It must be something serious. So I would hope that the community leader would reach out to every person in their community and go, dude, I didn't know where you were. Or hopefully actually you know where they are. Because if you're here and you're in a community and you're about to not be here next Sunday, please let your community leader know where you are and that you're fine. My wife and I, we're going on our anniversary. Great. Go have fun. Enjoy your time. No, my wife and I are lazy. We're going to lie in bed and it's cold. Mm, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on being steered, directed, built correctly, plumb line. That's what deacons do. Deacons are the power, the uh, little dynamite packages filled with the Holy Spirit. Dynamos, dynamic. They are literally the hands of the elders. They work together with eldership to build God's kingdom. Saints. So there's a big thing in the church of today to say that deacons are the guys that wait on tables and do the practical stuff. The problem with that is, what do the saints do? I thought the Bible says, Ephesians 4 says, that uh, God gives gifts to the church to do what? Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But if the deacons are all doing all the work, then what are the saints doing? So us, we're all saints. The deacons, the elders, the apostles, every single person in the church is a saint. We all do the work of the ministry. What is that? Well, we make disciples of people. We, lead, we seek, and, seek and save the lost. And make disciples and be disciples. That's what we all do. And we're being equipped and built together into a dwelling, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit to dwell among. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's like we follow this pattern and the Holy Spirit lives among us. In this pattern, when we build like this, when we are actually in each other's houses, homes, faces, lives, then actually it will be safe to build our lives together. It will be safe for us to say, you know what? Here's this thing in my life. I'm struggling to come in on budget every month. I'm falling behind a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Stephen, help. You seem to be good with finances. Thomas, I think you're good with finance. Help me. Help me budget. Look at my budget. How do I do this? How do I change my lifestyle so that I could come in on budget? Why? Because I want to be honoring to God. I'm struggling with my kids. How do I balance sport? Life, church, God, academics, exam. How do I take them to an outreach and to a 412 and still balance that well with the importance of studying and making something out of themselves and honoring the, the talents that God gave them? How do I balance that? Ask those that you see around you that's doing it well. I'm throwing out a challenge to you guys. Would you lay down your life? It's harder when we get older and our children have to go to school and we have to consider their futures. And then we love the scriptures that says that a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Eh? Those are the scriptures we like to quote. And it's true. They're, true. they're true scriptures. We can quote them. But what is the Holy Spirit laying on our lives right now? And can we give that? 
even if it's uncomfortable. Is that good? Yeah, it went a lot deeper and longer than I wanted. Um, it's safe to do so if we are part of a church built according to God. Because it is safe to lay down our lives. It is safe to give everything we have if we are part of a church that is built according to God's pattern. Why? Because I know that if I sell everything I have and give it into the kingdom because God said so, then I would still be in the church that God is in. And I'd still be surrounded by saints. And they would be doing exactly what I'm doing. And maybe we never drive a fancy car and live in a comfortable house again. But we will be doing what God wants us to do, be glorious. It might end up being in prison and being beheaded. Yeah? That's not where you wanted me to go. But that's what Paul, Paul did that. Best scholar of his time. He could have had everything. He was like the, the who's who. But he laid down his life for God's kingdom so that others, so that we could build according to the pattern. He laid down his life for this pattern. All he's asking us to do is make it important. Let's not point fingers to other church movements. Eh? Be careful. It's God's church. That's not the reason why we say this is the pattern. We're saying this is the pattern because God has revealed it to us. And it's a humble place to be in. To be able to be part of a church movement, a Josh Jen and a 412, that actually follows the scripture as best as we can see it and builds according to what we see God's plan reveals in the word.